Yeah, you're... Oops, I need to put that on silent. Okay. Uh, rolling, rolling. Quiet all around, please. Quiet on set. <laughs> all right, everyone. Welcome to your first day of school. It's Hannah. Ring, ring, ring. It's Sherilyn. That was a school bell. Nice. And we are here in the show. In the show. And you are listening to We Live in a Film Society. This is a show where we explore why we as humans in a society love and connect with films. Sherilyn, how you doing? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. Watched 8th grade. I actually watched it when it first started streaming on the interweb, and then I kind of fell asleep through it. Sorry about that. <laughs> and then I rewatched it yesterday last night so it is fresh in the noggin oh are we talking about eighth grade today i didn't know just kidding we're talking about eighth grade directed by bo burnham baby bo burnham i'm a big bo burnham fan i had a huge crush on him when i first saw his specials i didn't know this so did i and i hear he's a tall glass of water i'm sorry i don't mean to make this creepy it's not about that i thought he was an intelligent sensitive funny human being and i was really into it Bo, oh my god Bo, Bo. Bo, 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 Bo. Oh my God, what the hell? (laughs) Okay. So good. What I was singing in my head over and over again this morning was repeat stuff, repeat stuff, repeat stuff, repeat stuff. (laughs) Did you know about him before the specials or did you love the specials and went back and found him? Girl, you know I'm all up on YouTube all the time. Yeah, you are. You know where to go on the YouTube. How about I put it this way? I'm a fish out of water in YouTube. I just had a computer growing up. My dad worked in IT and he was like, here's this computer. Here's this new piece of tech. And I'm like soaking it all in. I just love the weird comedy websites and the early internet age and early YouTube was a fun place. Yeah, you're a little bit younger than me. You grew up in the age when social media had matured right? Sure. Yeah. I think this kind of like brings it back to the movie. Remember in the movie, they're like, how old were you when you got Snapchat? Yep. No, that entire conversation I feel like was Bo's way of being like, I know I'm not this young, young generation that's growing up with Snapchat. We got this later in the game. We were older human beings by then. Yeah. If this movie was made a few years later, it would have included TikTok. When was this film made? This movie came out in 2018 okay 2018 yeah so just missed the tiktok train so were you one of those kids that was quick to be in on all the social media stuff yeah i was on myspace at a young age Mm -hmm. so i guess you could call me a coder no (laughs) yeah right yeah i was on myspace and facebook (gasps) i got instagram when it first came out so i was in high school Mm -hmm. but i would say god i'm so glad that i'd I would hate to have social media in middle school at high school right now. Dude, even as an adult, I hate having social media. I'm a Luddite. I'm the opposite end of the spectrum as you. When it comes to technology, I am so slow to come to Facebook and Instagram and all of these other places. I know I tried Snapchat for like a few months and then got rid of it, (laughs) but social media is not 
my happy place. It is not where I feel the most comfortable. Wait, can I just clarify? Social media is not my happy place either, Hannah. (laughs) Oh, I'm so sorry. I did not mean to put any labels on you. I'm just saying not my thing. Yeah, I think that's a good thing. I think everyone has a different relationship with social media. Like when I first started Instagram, that was just a place that I can post photos. And then it turned into a social thing. And then as I started growing in this film industry, I'm like, well, I need to use this as a tool to Mm -hmm. show my work and connect with other people because otherwise I don't have a voice (laughs) in this industry. I started off as a PA and I was doing all this shit working for all these other people. Meanwhile, I considered myself a creative person and I liked photography and I liked video editing and I liked performing and comedy and doing all these things and I'm not going to show up to work as the PA and be like, here's my script that I wrote. Uh, Why don't you take a look at it? And you know, there weren't many other ways to share the work that you're working on. So sure, it sort of opens the doors to an industry that was very closed off. For sure. I would say that's the most positive way for me Mm -hmm. to use social media that would be the high point of it and I'm probably at a low now where it's like fuck I hate social media I hate that I feel like I need to post on it to stay relevant Mm. and I hate that I feel FOMO for not being on it for a certain amount of time so it's weird relationship with social media which is a huge topic in the movie totally social media I think the issue for me and a lot of other people even the people creating this technology are very wary of the fact of its addictive qualities because it has to be addictive otherwise it doesn't stay relevant and it doesn't keep making money as the machine it is and yeah I think for me it's not even about the addiction part it's when our society becomes reliant on that technology to function And also, I know a lot of people are like, what does it do to regular human relationships? To our brains. Yeah, there's just a lot going on there that I know we don't understand yet. It's always weird when technology evolves so much quicker than society can understand and comprehend. And yet, because it becomes a crutch for us, we kind of get swept up in the next thing. It becomes less of a question of, is it going to happen? But what is the next step that we take? Also, can we just talk about really quick all of these expectations that social media gives us about what we should be and who we should be? Yes, let's talk about it. I mean, FOMO, like you were talking about, standards of beauty that are unreachable. Standards of where you should be sexually, Mm -hmm. how and who you should be dating. Mm -hmm. Like, are you supposed to post a photo of you and your partner kissing on your anniversary? Yeah. That's weird to me. It's proven, though, that you having a baby... And you getting engaged are the two posts that are going to get you the most likes. So for all of our thirsty listeners out there, those are the two things that are going to get you the most likes of anything you've ever posted. So go have a baby. (laughs) Get engaged. Get a good photo out of it. Do it for the gram. (laughs) Yeah. Also where you should be in your career. Yep. That's a big one. That's a huge one. So it's hard. But I got to say... It's fucking killing me right now because we're also trapped inside in quarantine and it's really a shitty time to be addicted to your phone. 
So we're really getting a taste of what our sweet, sweet heroine was going through in eighth grade, where that was the world that she lived in. That was the water she swam in, our little fishy. Our little fishy. Yeah. One thing that I thought was really well done in the movie, the way that the cinematography was, it follows her and then the music, it just creates this atmosphere where you felt like you were in her head. You can feel her anxiety. Totally. You can absolutely feel it. Did you ever feel feel that in middle school? One thing I did feel was that same sort of butterfly feeling. Like, I loved that one line she had about how it's like she has those butterflies before the roller coaster, but she never gets the feeling after the roller coaster. Loved that. How poetic. She's such a poetic, soulless character. And I did definitely relate to some of her nervous crushy feelings and boy exchange stuff for sure when it came to me being like I have crushy feelings and blah 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 I was a wreck I couldn't do it I shied away from that really hard and whenever I got close I would get that roller coastery feeling and I would sound probably as smooth as she did (laughs) Uh, I loved it what about you Miss Sherilyn It's funny because all of the scenes where she's having anxiety, I was like, I can relate to that yesterday. Mm, Yeah. Honestly, as I grow older, (laughs) her panic attacks. Yeah, they really did a good job of portraying panic attacks. But I feel like, you know, you go through stages of that, I think. And in middle school, I tried so hard to be a good student and I was just so ADHD. So I was a little bit all over the place. I was doing drama I had my good friends and we were all kind of weird Mm -hmm. and goofy and just experimenting with our fashion and so I was lucky to have that in middle school. High school I became a little more quiet, Mm. just a little more susceptible to peer pressure and just trying to be cool middle school maybe felt like the last years of childhood when you were allowed to be a little goofy and then yeah high school you had to grow up yeah. and be cool yeah that <laughs> yeah I'm sure I was still goofy in a way but I definitely remember I mean you're still goofy in a way I'm still a goofball <laughs> but I remember in high school I stopped doing theater I stopped doing drama but I definitely related to being anxious for no fucking reason all the time oh yeah so I thought it was really great that her YouTube videos that she I used to make YouTube videos in high school they're all private now but sometimes I go back and watch them I'm like these are good I wasn't directly talking to the camera but if I was doing anything exciting I would film it and then I would edit so was it kind of like a journal yeah I remember I went to the beach for a night there was a rocket launch oh yeah you grew up in Orlando so you got to see cool shit like that yeah I remember going to Universal Studios with Drea and we filmed that just stuff like that mm-hmm. just a regular kid vlogger I love that you brought that up because this was also my second viewing of this mm-hmm. movie and what really popped out to me this time was that her videos were these chapter markers Where it's like, okay, we're going to talk about putting yourself out there. And it was the moment that she was going to go to the party. She was hyping herself up. For me, it was her projecting what she wanted for herself. Which was great. And I don't even think she realized she was doing that. It was interesting because it's almost like a journal that she's sharing with other people. Mm -hmm. 
And because she's sharing it with other people, she's showing a certain side of what she wants to talk about and what she's struggling with, but she's presenting it as something that she has mastered. Yeah. Even though she very clearly hasn't. But at the party when she did the karaoke and it was like kind of cut between her at the party Mm -hmm. and then her video diary YouTube thing, she was talking about confidence. And she's like, confidence is a choice. You can act like you're confident and sometimes I'm not and then I'll just act like I'm confident until I am and I was like okay I felt like I could take that advice you know sure but it was also it felt regurgitated like all of the other inspirational videos she had made up until then but do you remember the scene that was showing it was her at the party and like she was singing karaoke she did go for it as someone who hates karaoke I was like you go girl because that is not easy i would never in middle well maybe in middle school i don't know depending on who was there probably if it was my drama kids friends sure yeah for sure yeah but like at a cool girl party he's like who wants to sing karaoke she's there not talking to anyone except for the cool girl's cousin who you know fast forward to they go on a little friend hang oh my god he was so funny (laughs) gabe Oh my god, I loved when he tried to do a handstand for her and he's like, no, the water's not calm enough. He's like, the trick to holding your breath underwater is don't move because it uses oxygen. I was like, that's not scientific. You're just saying. Yes, it is. It is scientific. And he's just that nerdy kid that knows that. All right. I'm not a scientist, but I like it. So when they meet at the end and they talk about Rick and Morty and then I like how it's quiet and awkward and he's like... Do you believe in God? That was so cute. And they were both like, oh, am I talking too much? Or am I talking enough? And they're both telling each other encouraging things. And oh my God, it was so fucking cute. And her little smile when her dad picked her up. Yeah. It was nice to see that because it was like, okay, this is how middle schoolers should be hanging out. None of that bullshit from the car with the high school boy. This is pure. This is fun. This is innocent. This is sweet. I actually felt like this movie was yet another chapter in our fight for better sex education. This was a huge commentary. The fact that in their sex ed class, no one was paying attention and everyone was bored and it was not connecting with the students. It wasn't relevant for them. That guy masturbate. Did you ever have a kid that masturbated in class? I was thinking about that. I think in sixth grade, somebody in my class, which is so young, was masturbating. And I remember, I was like, I think he's masturbating. I don't know. I'm not going to ask him. He's just mm. doing weird shit in the corner. And I just remember looking at some girl next to me and I was like, is he touching himself? And she's like, no, he's not. And I was like, okay, either way, whatever's happening, I feel uncomfortable. (laughs) Kayla did too. She couldn't say it. And I was just like, where the fuck is the teacher? Yeah. I personally didn't ever have that experience, although... I don't know if my memory is playing a trick on me just because I just watched this film again, but I kind of feel like there was a rumor that some kid did in some other class at some point. But anyways, there was like that moment. There was her feeling like she needed to be willing to post nudes of herself and her feeling like she needed to give a blowjob to the guy or be willing to 
for him to consider her for a girlfriend. And then obviously the consent stuff with the whole creepy high schooler, whatever his name Oof, was. I hated him. Yeah, what was his name? I don't know. I don't want to know. Riley. Riley. The character Riley, that little shit. Someone needed to teach that kid about consent. He shouldn't be playing those games. This is unfortunately not uncommon oh it's completely not uncommon that happened throughout all of middle school throughout all of high mm-hmm. school i'm so thankful for the next generation the zoomers it's just called that because they're going to school on zoom <laughs> oh really shit yeah it's like a play on boomers yeah the zoomers <laughs> yeah but i'm <laughs> i'm really thankful for this woker generation that's like everyone's queer a lot of them are very comfortable with their sexuality with what they identify as at least what i'm seeing on tiktok i do think that that conversation is expanding with the next generation in certain communities but i i'm also concerned i'm not a hopeful person (laughs) and this is one place that i do see some hope so let me have it oh damn all right i won't shit on it but i do i do mean it i do think that this next generation because of us and because of educators i think the message is getting across people are understanding what consent means and people are understanding that gender and sexuality and all of that is on a spectrum which is great but i still think it needs to be standardized because if we're still learning consent through social media then not everyone is on that same page like we've seen this with conservatives and liberals for an example we can live in two completely different spheres that do not touch on the internet And we do not get the same information. So if we're left to our own devices. Our own mobile devices. (laughs) Yes. Good one. I'm just saying as a society, we all have to be on that same page for us to be able to actually take a step forward. And that's not a wild idea, Hannah. I agree with you. But we got a long way to go as far as federal (laughs) mandating of sex education. Yeah. In elementary and middle school and high school yeah first of all i fucking loved the music yes i love a good synth yep and it was used very well old synthesizers and it was just so cinematic i love that you mentioned the synthy music because it it is digital just like her entire social interactions how she relates to people i didn't even think about that yeah well we're just helping each other find it out this is the beauty of this podcast yeah. It just occurred to me when you brought up the synthy music that it is electronic, just like her social life and how she relates to herself. Ooh, that was real deep. Real deep. See, we told you we get deep <laughs> on this podcast. Oh my gosh, when they played Sail Away or whatever the mm-hmm. Enya song is, that was great. Dude, the montages for how these young people and honestly that i also really related to getting lost in the scroll you know and then checking on the other thing scrolling through that checking through the other thing i loved how they used that crossfade to show her eyes it looked like she was looking at us but it just made it feel like we were her looking at the screen oh that was good yeah i didn't even think about good see that's one of those things in cinematography that's so good you don't even realize where the camera is it does a good job of getting us in her head and i think there were some 
bigger choices that were made that we see through the camera lens that I thought were very interesting. And I'd love to share that thought with you. Yes, please do. It has to do with lighting. So when we're in her room, I think it's until the day that she goes to the high school for the shadow thing and meets Mm -hmm. Olivia. Up until then, every time we're in her room, it's dark, except for maybe the Christmas lights around her bed or the light coming from her computer screen or her telephone. Her telephone. Hmm. Who am I? Grandma? Her cell phone. (laughs) Um, From her cellular device. Her cellular portable mobile phone. (laughs) Oh my God. That was weird. Um, But then also it's like when there are lights on in her room, it's when she's performing to the camera. Mm, Yes. And then the rest of it, she's in the dark voyeuristically putting herself out there in a different way than she feels, which I thought was very interesting. Great observation. I also realized that that also related to how she related to her father, especially in her room where she has her deep thoughts and makes her connections. Every time he came to her room, he was lit by the hallway lights. She was lit by her phone. They were separate until she finally is ready to open up to him and have this real interaction with him because up until now, she's pushing him away, putting up walls. You don't need to worry about me. I'm not interested in what you have to say. I'm living my life, dad. But when she has that breakdown of this image of herself after that creepy high school boy makes really inappropriate moves. After when she's panicking in her room, you know, you can tell she has no one to talk to about that. Right. Olivia, the cool high school girl, she can't tell her because if she does, she's going to yell at the guy and break apart the friend. Like, obviously, I think it was more she was concerned about how Olivia would see her like she wasn't as cool as Olivia said that or thought that she was. She can't tell her dad because he's going to yell at his dad and the dads are going to fight each other. Or she's embarrassed and she doesn't. I mean, when she was kissing her hand and then her dad walks in and she throws the phone across the room, that was. <laughs> a funny moment but it's like obviously she's not having conversations about her blossoming feelings as a young woman to her dad because who is talking about that shit with their dad nobody she doesn't know how to talk about anything with her dad she's so concerned that she's letting him down she's so so private about all of these insecurities that she has how is she gonna bring this up to him so anyways Once that awful moment happens for her and she's really pushed to her limit and she realizes this facade is not going to work, I'm not that person, and she wants to burn her middle school time capsule, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden the light on their faces is a natural light. That was all I was going to say was the fire. It was not a synthetic light from a screen. It was an actual fire. And I just thought that was really artistically a nice way to show that they were coming back to a real organic connection. Yeah. And that moment made me cry. His monologue. Oh my gosh. When she was burning her hopes and dreams. And when he told her that she made him so happy and it was so easy to love her and he never had to teach her how to be a good person. He just watched her. Oh my God. It was so lovely yeah I don't remember where I heard this but someone was talking about your worth as a human and they were basically saying that as a person 
you innately have worth if you feel love and compassion for others around you you've done it and then bringing it back to the movie when she tells off the cool girl at the end they're wearing their middle school graduation cap and gown and our lead kayla goes up to the cool girl and she's like i just gotta say something right 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 and she doesn't look at her but she at least says what she wanted to say doesn't look at her the whole time she's looking down but ooh, she told her off in the best way that she could in the best way that she could and that's basically what she was saying she's yeah. like i did a nice thing and when someone does a nice thing you're kind of expected to be nice back and you're not a nice person right. and you would know if you stopped trying to be so cool for a second because the talk her dad gave her did sink in she heard him and she understood that her worth came from her ability to be this caring, loving person, which I thought was just really lovely. Yeah. Also, that was one more thing I wanted to say. I really loved the script for that. I thought the script was very well written. So all of her ums and stutters and restarts was all in the script I heard. Someone initially assumed like she probably just ad-libbed the whole thing. But no, all of those pauses and breaks and like, oh, um, actually, all of that was in the script. It was as scripted which I thought was incredible and I was like this feels so authentic to how someone at that level would be able to express themselves yes it just felt really honest and realistic in that sense yeah I didn't know that that's really cool and Kayla played by Elsie Fisher Mm -hmm. did a fantastic job she was so good she was so good and she, she kept trying to make this cool girl think that she was cool throughout the whole movie she's like hey um i like your shirt and the cool girls are not paying attention to kayla they're just being mean girls Mm -hmm. and she even got invited to the cool girls pool party by the cool girls mom who was like hitting on her dad but like from afar even though she's married but then her marriage is unhappy well i think that's what they were hinting at we never see them together But when Kayla shows up at the door and we hear her voiceover dialogue, we see the mom be like, mouth, oh, where's your dad? And she's like, oh, he left. And she kind of looks around disappointed, like if she just missed him. I did not. Because remember when she first stopped her, she's like, tell your dad, thank you so much. Also, come to the party. And I think she probably knew that her dad was single and a nice guy, and she probably hates her husband. Wow, I did not catch that. (laughs) I'm so ignorant. I truly was just like, oh, this girl is just one of those nice moms that wants all the kids to come to her nice house. So that her nah. daughter can have a nice, cool pool party. I think her daughter learned her self-serving behavior from her mother. Okay, that's good to know. I was, damn. All right. Uh, okay, so. <laughs> Sorry, did that throw off your point? No, 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 no. We're getting back to it. Okay. I feel like Monica talks about this a lot on Armchair Expert, about our need to be accepted by the elite, right? Is it, There's another word for that by a higher status or something yeah higher status higher status i don't know i just thought that that was interesting it's going to take us on a tangent because i don't think it's directly related to the movie that much i think it's more of a human thing and it's something that i've been thinking about lately because it's weird to acknowledge that you're doing that and i think we all do it to a degree and 
I think it's an animalistic survival thing. Like, mm. oh, if I have higher status, I am more likely to get a partner. And I just thought that that was kind of interesting. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, for sure. Kayla wants a friend and she sets her sights on the most popular girl in school. She doesn't look for another outsider who might need a friend. And it's because, arguably, because she's relating to everyone through these Instagram posts. And so she sees how well-liked, potentially, quote-unquote, the popular girl is. It's like she wants to have what this other person has because that's what she's faced with every night when she goes home from school. So I think that's totally relevant, Sherilyn. Thank you. I think it's a very astute observation and definitely relevant. Yes, astute. So when the opening credits were rolling, I saw that the Mm -hmm. casting director was Allison Jones. And I have seen that name so many freaking times when it comes to casting. And I was like, well, that's really interesting. That's so weird that you noticed that. Nobody notices the casting director, but Hannah, she does. But I also do know that people who are in the casting realm of this industry have been pushing for a best casting Oscar for years now because casting is so big it is such a huge part of Mm -hmm. the film yeah it is the difference of a great script falling a little flat to like elevating it to something way better than it was on paper I can't imagine this film having anyone else as Kayla I can't either she was great I totally agree having the foresight And the ability to see who is good for a role is such a big, big deal. And I thought that the cast in this was incredible. And Alison Jones, can I just tell you some of the things that she has been a casting director? Okay, Freaks and Geeks, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Parks and Recreation, but also movies like Lady Bird, which was freaking fantastic how would you change anything about that one thing that i would change about all of these movies these great movies by the way i think you probably already know where i'm gonna go with this there are never that many people of color in it even in this movie even in eighth grade oh there was totally one person of color she didn't have a line she was the other mean girl best friend she was there were more people like olivia's best friend was a black girl but like why couldn't that have been olivia yeah i hear you all of the main main characters were definitely white and that did stand out to me too actually yeah and this is an issue All across Hollywood, baby. Yep, and it's good to be aware of it. Casting directors could do a lot to help that situation. I mean, as long as producers and everyone agree to it. Which they won't. (laughs) Because for some reason they think that that won't sell. I think that it's not even that. I think that people don't understand that you can tell the same story with a person of color and it doesn't change anything about them i think that yes there are definitely racist in hollywood just like there are racists everywhere but i would argue that for a majority of people it's about what they think will sell which in itself might be a racist ideology that people only want to watch white people so maybe it is just flat racism 
with a money sign mask. I think that it's okay to use that word. I think that people are scared of the word racist and people are scared of being called a racist when in fact we are all racist and we have to unlearn how to be not racist. Because our society is built in a racist structure, so by definition we are all taught to be racists in certain ways. And yeah, you're right, it is about finding the ways that you are a racist and what you need to unlearn to become a better, more loving, more compassionate, fulfilled human being. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to take a break. And when we're back, we'll be here with Jessica Clemens, who is a comedian, a writer, a girl on the internet, and she's got a few things to say about Bo Burnham's eighth grade. So stay tuned. <laughs> Hi, Jessica. Hi, Hannah. Hello, hello. Yay, hello, <laughs> Jessica. Oh, <laughs> hi. Hannah, I worked with Jessica at College Humor briefly. I was interning. She got hired just right after me as an office PA. Jessica, tell us a bit about yourself. We've been calling you like an internet comedy person. Yeah, I guess that's in general the best way to put it because I kind of fly all over the place. I went from production to development, back to production. And then on top of that, I'm doing sketch and improv comedy on the side. And then I'm also just doing as much nerd things as I possibly can because I have a big nerd repertoire. Amazing. A busy, nerdy, funny internet content expert. We are so happy to have you. Thank you. I'm very excited, especially to talk about one of my top movies. I'm so excited to dive in. I'm excited to hear your guys' perspective. I feel like everyone has a different perspective of this. For sure. Every person I've talked to, and I could be saying as a biased person, that's like, oh, I'm obsessed with it. So I feel (laughs) like everyone else that comes at me with this, they're always like, I'm very indifferent. Oh, really? You found some indifferent people. Well, I'd love to hear what you love about it right off the bat. Eighth grade, and the way that it hit me was so overwhelming because we had to go to Arclight. It was the only place playing it. And it was like a $30 ticket. And I was like, that's that's insane for Arclight. And I was like, I still have to pay for parking. And they were like, yeah, dude, you got to do this. And then we did it. And I realized it was $30 because Elsa Fisher and Bo Burnham were there at the end for a Q&A. Oh my God. And I was was overwhelmed because I don't really like live Q&As because I'm used to going to conventions like Comic-Con where people are like, can you read my screenplay? And it's like, oh, buddy, not now. (laughs) (laughs) And so... Seeing it at Arclight, it was loud, it was big, plus I had the point of view from the writer-director, plus like the Ugh. most awkward girl slash star of the whole thing, <laughs> Elsa Fisher. And so even though Bo was kind of writing it from the perspective of, he's 30, so it's like he wrote a perspective of his older self as an eighth grader, but they really focused on the extra parts being like today's youth with mm-hmm. the LeBron James the fact that instead of earthquake drills, they're doing shooting drills. Straight up, a lot of stuff in there is like, oh, this is hitting today's youth. These are the gen Right. But it's still, I feel like it had a really good job of communicating just the plain part of like, we're all struggling in middle school to try to like fit in the scenes of her on her phone in the middle of the night. And she was just going from Twitter to YouTube to Instagram to Facebook. I was like, not only did I love the soundtrack, but like, it it really hit. I think it hit me immediately because obviously I'm not the generation of young people that could go to a camera and be like, 
this is what you guys should do to keep up yeah. your health. I was a part of the kids that were like, I'm going to make really stupid sketch videos because I've seen Jackass. Yeah. I was like, this still resonates in me because I'm that kid. I was just watching Jackass and being like, let's jump off a roof. Yeah. <laughs> like I was being Dang, dumb. you're a little daredevil. I don't look back at it fondly. But like I, <laughs> I was posting my shit to MySpace on a bulletin. I was like, here's the link to YouTube, y'all through my face bulletin it's the same shit but obviously different ages and so Mm -hmm. it just hit me as a media kid with a really hard anxiety (laughs) and with less of a way to express myself other than with the one camera I had so yeah me in the eighth grade I think we felt the same thing from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was definitely a media kid too, doing dumb shit on the internet, making YouTube videos. We both resonated with the severe, I at least for me, severe anxiety. I like the panic attack. I, I enjoyed the panic attack scene in the bathroom. Ooh, no one has ever said that before. <laughs> yeah, you know, not enjoyed it, but I was like, okay, yeah. I remember experiencing heavy breathing and not realizing that that was a panic attack Mm -hmm. but okay so you told us a little bit about your jackass face what were you like in middle school i loved in this movie they captured those kids so perfectly i was also still very weird and i had like really bad anxiety but there was this one day that i was just acting like a fool i was a class clown but i was straight up just acting out weirdly with a substitute and this one girl, the popular girl in our school, was like, put her on the list. <laughs> like, it was like VIP. She said, put her on the list. And I went, what? And her friend, to her side, Emily, I won't say her last name. She said, you're invited to Sam's birthday party. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I don't know if I should go. And it was truly how Kayla felt. In eighth grade, I straight up showed up to that popular kid's birthday party. And I was like, mom, please don't make me go. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to go to this. And she was like, you need more friends. And I was like, I just don't want to go. And it was fine. But I definitely stuck to myself for a long time. I was in the corner. She had a dog and I just hung out with the dog while they were all in the pool. Because I, unlike Kayla, I refused to get in a swimsuit in middle school in front of people because I had terrible body dysmorphia. I didn't bring a swimsuit intentionally. I didn't tell my mom it was a pool party. But like, even the next day at school, kids would like talk to me and was just like, Gary, you're at Sam's. Um, and I was like, oh, leave me alone. <laughs> I was like super nerve-wracked. But like, I got out of my shell eventually. I still had that like horrible anxiety and I would have panic attacks all the time at weird moments. And I felt like I would always blame it on puberty. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, it's just puberty. It's just puberty. But like, no one has puberty for like 20 some years. <laughs> yeah. So, at the time, it just felt like my body was always shutting down, but turning up at the same time. At like That was like how my panic attacks were. Shutting down and turning up. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, like, I don't know where to stop. I would always hide and come out and hide and come out. So I was like a weird kid, but I had friends, but I was also just overthinking everything. So I was really nervous. But I grew out more in high school. In high school, I became an annoying person. <laughs> Do you feel like in middle school... Or like elementary and middle school, when you were like the class clown, you weren't intentional about it. It was just like you're kind of how you naturally were. And then the attention was kind of weird once you got the attention. Yeah, I definitely think it was like not even like a coping. I th- Actually, no, it might have been like a coping mechanism. Because I feel like my family, <laughs> sure. like a lot of families probably do, my family, pure comedians. 
and that's our way of dealing with anything so we can't take anything seriously uh when my mom went through like a terrible surgery all we could do was try to make her laugh because we just didn't want to cry and it was a situation where we're like we just don't know how to handle our emotions well Mm -hmm. and so in awkward situations my first instinct is to crack jokes at it rather than confront it for what it is and so I think once people started noticing that I was like oh okay and I kept doing it as like an awkward made a laugh and then like try to hide away really quick and then yeah it just like kept coming which is like a sad thing to be like I'm a comedian now (laughs) but I feel like that's how it went I think it's a common pattern (laughs) yeah Yeah, truly we're all a little heartbroken deep down it's okay but yeah I think it was it's just hard to say because middle school is just such a weird time where we're all finding ourselves and it's testing the waters for new things also and seeing how it plays and like dealing with how your peers handle that and then dealing with how your family handles it and then also trying to find the common ground between the two and that's why I'll never go back to middle school (laughs) (laughs) same here it's a phase and we all made it out and we don't have to we don't have to go back we're adults we can choose not to my nightmares were always my middle school locker (laughs) really yeah, I will be in my middle school hallway, my size now. So like, I'm too tall for anything. <laughs> and I straight up am always like, how do I always wind back at my middle school hallway right yeah, in front so of So you're wow. not exaggerating. Middle school was the hardest for you. Middle school sucked. Elementary school, Jessica was so like flamboyant, so happy and not understanding, like going through a world just blissfully ignorant. And then once I like hit puberty, I started liking boys <laughs> and girls. And I was not understanding why I would even like a boy because they were just gross at my school. They were and mean. And mean. They were the boy in eighth grade. Literally, my favorite scene of eighth grade was when he opened his eyes and you put that loud rap music, basically. Yeah. yeah. He's wearing a Warriors jersey, has headphones in, not paying attention. And I was like, I can name every boy that was that boy at my school. And oh, I, gosh. Totally. I like loved them and hated them at the same time. <laughs> And it was confusing and hard. Yeah. Middle school was a nightmare for me. Were you ever angsty or moody with your parents or your mom? Are you, were you, did you have a single parent? Yeah, I had a single parent. It was just me, my mom, my brother. And oh, absolutely. It's one of my biggest fears of having a child today is <laughs> being like, oh, she might be me at 13. Yeah. That's why I love my mom so much for everything. But like dealing with Jessica at 12 to 14 was a hassle because not only did we have (laughs) panic at the disco and my chemical romance we were reading so hard into those lyrics and i was like mom they understand me why can't you and she's just like a loaded god complex i don't understand what that means i'm like how can i pull it it. (laughs) do you not understand and i remember there's i have my diary still from that age and everyone's always like you should read it and i'm like i can't oh my gosh that's so good that you have it because I threw out my middle no, school diary. No, no. I did too. No. no, I did too. I couldn't do it. I was too scared. I know. I read it in high school. I was like, this is so cringy. And I threw it out. And now I'm like, no, I know. damn it. Girl. Yeah, I know. I, that's a sad one to lose. Is your diary. It really is. In retrospect. Because oh. it brings up the, those minuscule moments you don't remember. Mm-hmm. Right. I chaptered every entry of my diary. So every diary entry had its own title. And it had the date on the corner. And it would be like, L stands for love you, boo. And it'd be like, it was really bad. It was <laughs> oh my not God. good. I was like 10 years old. And one was like, 
why can't he just hold my hand? <laughs> I thought I was going to be like, I was going to publish it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, you can. You totally What's that can. one, Mortified Nation? Have you heard of this? No, is that I a documentary? Haven't. It is, but it's actually also a community of people that come together and read passages out of their middle school era journal entries and the producers of the show help them cobble together what their story is like what their arc is and it's incredible I mean it's so cringy and everyone in the audience relates to that feeling and I specifically remember the story of this guy who was trying to convince himself that he was straight and you read like a few chapters of his diary he keeps talking about this boy and then at the end of it he's like anyways I'm definitely straight (laughs) it's so innocent but also so sad (laughs) oh so sad yeah Yeah. but you get the feeling that he's gotten over it by then which is why we can laugh at it Mine is so bad. It's it's all about crushes. That's all it is. It's all about crushes. I even at the table of contents part. <laughs> so I organized. Ready. <laughs> I said, sign me up, Penguin Publishing. I said, put me in there. You're like, chapter one, Jesus. Chapter two, why I love Jesus. Chapter three, recipes. <laughs> and it's like all crushes. In the table of contents, I was so afraid my mom would find my diary and read it for some reason, which my mom would never do. But I was afraid she would or someone would. So I made all nicknames for the boys and girls in my diary. And at the table of contents, like an idiot, I put who their actual names were. <laughs> so I you wrote forget. the key in the table of contents. <laughs> one, I can specifically write one was like third grade crush. And then I would refer to him in my diary, even in like sixth grade as third grade crush. And I remember being like, who is this? And then I would look to the table of contents and it's Parker. Uh, Oh my God, that's so good. I think that's why I didn't throw it away because I was like, this is really specific. And I was trying real hard to make sure older Jessica knows what she's talking about. I love that. I think it's that's the smartest way to write a memoir is just like as you're living it. Yeah. Just takes all the work out later. Really? You're like, I wrote about this 10 years ago. Oh <laughs> yeah. my gosh, it has it's been more than 10 years ago. We're growing Ooh. up. I know. Growing up. We're growing up. Damn, dude. Was there any parts of eighth grade you guys didn't like? <laughs> I can name a few. That's why I was like. I okay, well, we just kind of talked about how it was annoying that almost everyone was white but that's not unique to this movie. Um, mm-hmm. I can't think of anything I didn't really like other than like the awkward car scene with the dude yeah. with Riley, but that was intentionally bad. It was awful. What specifically didn't you like? The POC part was heavy. Like there's so many parts mm-hmm. where I like stared at Kayla and I was like, why didn't they hire a POC girl? Yeah. It goes back to, which I don't have any research of this. I will say that before I say this. Bo Burnham is white. He's from Boston. So he's probably like, I want someone that's like me. And it's like, yeah, but like, you don't think outside the box. But then again, I'm like, Kayla's story would probably be handled different if it was a black person. Right. Sure. So there's that. But then also Bo Burnham wrote and directed it. And so when it gets to the point of the car scene, I'm like, whose point of view are you speaking from? Because I'm like, you're a man that wrote this. So I don't know how to feel about the fact that you're getting into a scene that's specifically something that does happen to a lot of young women. And so I was just like, I don't know how to feel about this scene because it's a really horrible scene that is very common. It's hard to 
had that scene hit me really hard with Bo writing it because I'm like, I don't know whose story did you take this from? That's where I was like coming from. Are are you saying like he was writing from the perspective of the boy at that point? Yeah, I feel like, and that's and I, that was like the first thing when I saw the movie, I was like, did Bo do this? I immediately was like scared because I followed Bo Burnham my entire life. So I was like, this isn't a male story <laughs> for, yeah. with a lead that was a, a woman. And so I was like, I don't know how to like, uh. and it made me like really think about it. Because I know at the Q&A, he was really like, Elza Fisher's here. You guys need to ask her questions. Don't ask me questions. This is the next generation. I just wrote the movie. I just wrote all of the words that they're saying. I directed it and wrote it and picked who ultimately went into the movie. But go talk to Elsa Fisher. And so he didn't really like talk at any of his Q&As. And the ones that I looked at, he didn't really talk about that scene at all. Because he was like, there's a lot more to the movie than just that scene. And I agree. But I was also like, this seems really hard to swallow. It was heavy. It was very heavy. I'd like to comment on that scene. I feel like to be a good writer everything you write is coming from somewhere inside of you there's a piece of truth to it maybe it's not how you as a person ever present yourself or actually in your heart of hearts believe is the truth but you know it exists like it is in your realm of reaching Mm. and this I don't know I don't know his life but I know people who grew up in Boston it is a macho community and I'm sure that he knew people who did that I'm sure he heard stories of this happening and I've heard him talk about his experiences growing up in interviews and I was a huge fan of his specials and it seemed like he was especially for that area, a sensitive person. And I think he was ridiculed for that. So I think he wrote it really well and it was so uncomfortable to watch. But when I watched that, I think my knee-jerk reaction was not to say, Bo Burnham, what have you been up to, you shady Mm -hmm. motherfucker? Like, Mm -hmm. not to say that that's what you were thinking, but I didn't become defensive in that moment for that reason. But, I mean, we live in a world where it is normal for men to not overthink that and for it to come from somewhere that seems not thoughtful. I can completely understand. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Watching that scene, I was defensive because I was just like, who can I trust? Sure. (laughs) Especially when it's so triggering. And that is probably a personal thing where especially in entertainment, I can't trust a lot of people. Especially when it comes to like sexual misconduct. I believe a lot of the things that I hear, even though if it's like hard to believe, I'm like trying to look into it, especially if it's like a friend saying these things. Sure. I kind of wish that he did talk about that somewhere with someone. Yeah. With that being said, it's just sexual education stuff. It's not like... Amen! Sexual education. Yeah, we go off about sex ed. Did you see that scene (laughs) with the TV in the beginning? Oh, yeah. And how ineffective it is. And, like, that's not what we need. It was such a good scene of just, like, no one's paying attention. No one's interactive. The TV's not helping. And the teacher does not mind that it's, like... We don't want to talk about it. Dude, and the fact that the lady on the screen said, it's going to be lit. Like, this nod (laughs) to the idea that even when we try to make it accessible, it's still totally the wrong structure. Like, it's just not 
effective. This is my second time bringing this up on a podcast this week. But <laughs> when I was 16 to 18, I worked with Planned Parenthood. It's called Teen Council. It's a peer education troop that teaches sex ed to elementary schools, middle schools, and high schools. Because it's better to be taught sex ed by your peers than by a teacher. Hmm. And not to say that teachers don't know what they're talking about, but it's kids laugh. They make jokes. My teacher said penis. But when you hear it from a friend, it's not funny. It's yeah. just like, oh, I'll listen. Every Wednesday, we do training for like four hours on different subject matter and bring that to schools throughout the week. So I'd miss fifth or third period to go to different schools to teach them about like unhealthy and healthy relationships and like STDs and STIs and everything. And I was like, this is how we should be treating sex education. There's still a teacher there to watch, but it's all by like kids. Did you connect with Kayla in the sense of you maybe came alive through social media or your videos? Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) It was also like the love for film because I'd write a fake script with my best friend and be like, we got to follow this to a T. She obviously (laughs) isn't in film anymore. I was the one that just kept doing that. And I just kept going and kept going. And it was just a way to get my creativity out because where else was I going to put it? I wasn't a big drawer. I wasn't a great writer, but I did want to like, explode I was always so energized I was like I need to let it out were you best at like executing I was I would say that but was my friends good at following absolutely not because they weren't media kids so yeah they didn't see the point of making sure we were there at like eight in the morning to hide from cops to shoot in this place yeah (laughs) I would send them things and some would show up some wouldn't it took honestly until I got to LA to find that great group of people that could execute things. Cause like us, we have this common goal that we want this to succeed. We want to make sure we can do something and let it out. And so we all do it rather than like, if my engineer friend was here, he'd be like, well, I'm kind of busy. I don't know. If I yeah. Like, You're like, how bad do you want this? I'm like, do you want this or do I want this? It seems like it's just me. And he's like, yeah, it is. <laughs> no, I, I feel like I came out through social media a lot. I was always following trends. Still am, except for like, I'm really bad at TikTok, but I do like them. I love the mm-hmm. videos. I'm good at doing them myself. But I feel like social media was something like, as soon as I heard MySpace and then we went to like Forum Spring, which wasn't good. And we were like, yeah, we want Forum Spring. Everybody go and honestly message each other. Even like Yik Yak in college. Oh yeah, I remember Yik Yak. Social media has so many different ways of finding itself. And I tried finding myself in every way. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. We still kind of do. I mean, who would have thought that like sharing photos of your daily lives was something that people really would have enjoyed? you know and then they found it through Instagram or like people that just want to stay connected to people that they haven't seen in a long time and Facebook's there for that and you have Twitter for people that want to follow individuals but also just want to like let out their own voice of opinion at the most amount that you can there's just so many different platforms to use that can resonate with people I sound like one of those people that are like hello about social media and I'm not now I, I think I have an account for everything but I stay only on Instagram and honestly Tumblr oh I'm still a Tumblr person okay. catch me on there I'm not gonna say my name what do you but... post on Tumblr I don't post anything I just reshare things okay is it like aesthetics is it like gifts yeah, or... yeah. Okay. I, okay so sadly and I will say it out loud I guess I have six Tumblrs because I have a different aesthetic <laughs> for everyone <laughs> Oh, wow. Is one dedicated to Twilight? No! (laughs) Okay. Disappointing. (laughs) I'm sorry. I should have. Because Twilight's big on it. Hannah's so lost right now. (laughs) 
Yeah, like, you totally lost me at Twilight. I'm like, I don't get it. Does she really like Twilight? Or Twilight is making a, a comeback, Hannah. What does that mean? Remember how big Twilight was when we were in high school? I do. It's becoming that big again. Yeah, why? It's become a meme of itself on TikTok. And so, oh, like hate watching? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like pretty old, right? It came out in 2006. It's about a decade old, yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. But, I mean, that makes sense that the new generation is now finding it and was like, why did people like this so much? <laughs> I have two TikToks, and one of them is me doing the dance to the Twilight song. What Twilight song? The Bella song, the one that's like, dun 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 dun. And then people are like twerking to it. Oh, this is embarrassing. <laughs> this is so embarrassing. I don't know the song. I'm thinking of the a thousand something, uh, a thousand years by whatever her name. That's the only song I know from Twilight. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, I'm so sorry. <laughs> There's just a giant question mark over my head. I should have chose Twilight for my movie that changed my life, but it did not. <laughs> it did not. It changed my life at the moment. Ooh, ooh, I was yes. obsessed with vampires. I was also like, you know, Fallout Boy, Panic at the Disco, emo kid. Yeah. One of my AOL emails was Sherry is a vampire. <laughs> yeah, like my family does not let me forget it. I just definitely <laughs> went through the vampire phase. I think you went through the vampire phase before because you AOL, but wasn't during Twilight. Oh yeah, I was a vampire before Twilight. And then Twilight Damn. came out, and I was like, it is my time. <laughs> Carolyn started the vampire phase. Twilight followed. Yeah. Twilight followed. Oh, my God. Uh, That's the thing. is like I have all that goth emo eeped out of my heart, but no photos. I don't. And I didn't dress. I didn't do any of the things. I was really into Missy Elliott, so I was dressing up like Missy Elliott videos. I want to um, see those this, photos. <laughs> this is 2006. So it was like her featuring Sierra. It was like those videos. It wasn't oh like. Oh my God. Those are the, the best. best. Those are the ones I always go back to. Ooh. Oh my God. I forget the song, but there's a music video. They're all in school outfits, but it's not the school outfits from the Ludacris video. It was school outfits that were blue. They had hoodies, cut off sleeves, cut pants. So it looked like short. Is this the one that Allison Stoner was dancing in as a kid? No, no, no. That's the ludicrous one. Okay. No, this sounds like Lose Control, which is my hype song. Today. Yeah, today. Lose Control. Yes, it was. It was. Thank you. Yes, it is. It was Lose Control. I took my mom yep. to three different JCPenney's looking for that outfit. <laughs> Dude, you got to make that outfit. I, I should have learned. I said, Mom, it's your separate. Three different JCPenney's. <laughs> <laughs> your mom is so supportive she tried instead we left with like that monkey on the shirt that like you know that logo the monkey mm -hmm. man that was like on everything I oh was... sure paul frank is that what it is i think yeah, yeah. that's what my diary is it's a <laughs> yeah. paul frank diary and it's really embarrassing <laughs> <laughs> it was of the time it just makes it better honestly oh my god i'm so glad you said lose control because it definitely music is i love that one cool. and i hate music videos what? like what yeah no i know this is new i'm so picky about music videos i'm like it either enhances the song or i don't like it and lose control i will play it i will watch it over and over again it is one of the best music videos i've ever seen that's like back when music videos had real mm -hmm. budgets that's true and like oh, those dancers the effects everything they had them on the lines yes. you know where yeah. she's like floating i'm just like that is so fucking cool yeah, that budget yeah. is like a star wars budget now <laughs> 
Missy Elliott did that though. Missy Elliott was like, and I feel like they threw the money because yeah. they, they trusted her creatively. They were like, yeah, we'll do whatever you want. Oh, yeah. she was a boss. Every single time. They killed the one music video where she has just a bunch of brat dolls jumping up and down. I was like, she's just going off. She doesn't care. I want to be in a pitch room, just a fly on the wall when she's like pitching that to these like producers. And then they're like, yeah, we'll give you like a few million. How's that? And she's like, more. Yeah. Missy Elliott was uh, my 2006. That and like Panic at the Disco somehow. No, for (laughs) real. Yeah, I totally feel you. We always talk about Venn diagrams. I definitely lived in that sweet spot. We're all there. I love that we found each other. Yeah. We all did. It was so good. I still listen. Uh, Panic at the Disco. So Me too. He's great. He's a great singer. So I'm about it. <laughs> well, I know you have to go soon, but just before we leave, any last thoughts about eighth grade? This took a turn for the best, this conversation. So back to <laughs> back to eighth grade real quick. Eighth grade does exactly what we did today. Eighth grade is nostalgic and it brings up what everyone life Mm. it's truly one of those films that you can watch and it at any age it reminds you of who you were at that time we all had a common interest we all had some sort of common goal of find ourselves in a hard hard time of our lives and I feel like us even talking about Panic at the Disco Coexistence with Missy Elliott us talking about how we handled any situation with our parents shows that like it still resonates within eighth grade it's not necessarily a tearjerker but it's still there. It makes you recognize who you were when you were like 13 going on 14 about to enter high school. If you want a coming of age film, that's not going to make you laugh, but it will make you like chuckle at certain scenes that are LeBron James. If you're looking for something to pick you up, but also nostalgic, I would say watch eighth grade. If you hate it and the first time you saw it, watch it again. Watch it again. Maybe you'll find parts now that even if you didn't like them before, you recognize why maybe you don't like them. Maybe there's something that you didn't like, like how I felt about the car scene. I would probably rewatch it again just to be like, let's see it in a different time, a different space. Not when the movie first dropped at the arc light. Let's give it a year from then <laughs> and yeah. watch it in my room. Maybe I'll feel differently. So give it a shot. It's eighth grade. What are you going to lose? I love that answer because it's interesting. Like Bo Burnham didn't make it a period piece. He tried to make it for the youth that we're living now, but it is about nostalgia. It really does evoke those feelings. I love that. When she opened that green door, wouldn't open, had to slide through the side. (laughs) Squeeze through. And then it hit and you see only the back of her. In the Q&A that I was in, he said, I wanted it to feel like she was storming the beaches of Normandy. That is something that stuck with me because that's how every kid that's insecure would feel at that pool party. They feel Mm -hmm. like they're at war with their own kind, (laughs) that they're trying to like build up this fake courage to get through it. And when she reaches that pool and goes underwater, I'm like, you made it. You're good. No one sees you. You're good (sighs) to go. Oh, I wouldn't have even came out that screen. I would have gone around the side of the house, came in random. You're like, I don't know. I was just told to go through the side. Like, like chilling over there. You didn't see me. Don't look. Don't look at me. Someone's like, didn't you just try to get through the door? No. Oh, no. I did not struggle with that door like you saw. <laughs> but yes, it was uh, a good movie. I'm glad you guys watched it. I'm okay. Yeah. Thank you so much for talking to us. This was really fun. I feel like we got to catch up again soon. Absolutely. Do you have anything going on that you want the people to know? I'm still chilling. Keep an eye on, we kind of talked about it a lot, but keep an eye on College Humor. I'm featured in a lot of their stuff still. 
If you subscribe to Dropout TV, you'll see me soon on Game Changer. If you subscribe to New Rockstars, you'll see me on a new episode of Rogue Theory discussing romantic relationships in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the secret relationship couple that's going to change the franchise. Ooh. Wow, that is titillating. Oh, you don't even want it. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> and people can find this by how? Oh, they can find it on YouTube, New Rockstars, or you can just go to my Instagram, Lulu Clemens, and I link it all the time. <laughs> all Perfect. of the things I do. Don't go yeah. to my Twitter. It is desert. <laughs> and I since twenty eighteen and people love to tell me about it. <laughs> awesome. Well thanks again. Jessica, yeah. it was so nice to meet you. Sherilyn has only had good things to say about you and you are a bright light and it was so much fun to talk with you. Of course. Anytime you guys want to talk about two thousand six through two thousand eight, I am here for it. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Nothing nice. after that. Nothing after that. No, two thousand ten yeah. is a different time. We don't go there. <laughs> Well, bye, everybody. Bye. Bye, Jessica. Take care. Welcome back, everyone. Wasn't that amazing, Sherilyn? That was a fun time. That was fun. It was memory lane with Jessica. Yeah, it was nostalgic. It was cathartic. It's interesting to see what hasn't changed since we were in middle school. Right. Like... These power dynamics are still very prevalent. Acne is still a thing. Still wanting to impress the douche boy for some reason. Yep, the awkward party situations. Dude, the shooting drill, I had those. I didn't ever have it where... School shooting drills? Yeah, yeah. Damn. Yeah, we did. That must have been a Texas thing. We were too busy with hurricanes in Florida. Oh, sure. We just like, we can only handle one of the emergency drills. Yeah, we would do fire drills, we would do tornado drills, and we would do shooter drills. Damn. Well, I guess we did yeah. fire drills too, but tornadoes. Yeah. Damn. I think that's pretty standard. That's but... wild. Yeah, it was wild. I will say we never had someone walk through the school with a fucking fake machine gun and actually Boom. point it at students. Like that that kind of disturbed me that was in a disturbing. very real way. I don't know if that's real or if that was kind of an exaggeration for the sake of a joke of like, can you believe that we're here? But I would not doubt that that's real. High school or middle school schools are doing crazy shit all the time. Yeah. One thing, the introduction to Kayla as a character was her presenting herself in that first video of Be Yourself. Yeah. And then the last video that she makes is only to herself. I thought that that was really nice. For once, it wasn't this performance for other people. It was officially just for her, and she recognized that, and I liked that. And the message was so nice. It was. She acknowledged. She's like, look, I hope you had a great time, but if not, it's okay. You're gonna be fine, girl. And it was just like, be your own hero. Because <laughs> you are. We did see her grow up a little bit because the video yeah. that she made for herself at the beginning of middle school for the end of middle school, she was like, do you have a boyfriend? Is he cute? I hope it's great. All of these hopes and dreams and expectations. We talked about expectations in another podcast episode. Yeah, which one? Spider-Verse. Oh, yeah, expectations. Puberty. Another middle school puberty-centric 
character. Yeah, a puberty-centric <laughs> character. Yeah, puberty-centric. <laughs> Someone who's going through changes. But anyways, I thought that was really great that she wasn't putting so much pressure on herself. She had learned that what's going to happen is going to happen. Yes. I think earlier I said, did I say cathartic or lethargic? Which one did I mean? And which one did I say? You said cathartic. And I think that's what you meant. Lethargic is like, you oh, that's feel like lazy. Tired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that conversation was happening. I love Jessica. I love talking to her. I love hearing her story mm-hmm. and why she connected so strongly with this movie. Mm-hmm. Bo Burnham, what a great job. We love you, Bo. We love you, Bo. Sorry if we seemed a little too critical, but that's what we do. <laughs> we get critical on this podcast. Yeah, we think about director motivations for characters and for scenes and and I think it's important to dissect these things sometimes. And totally. we're f- big fans of Bo Burnham and yeah. have been from the start. What an amazing feature debut for him. Yeah. It was the same with Jordan Peele, I feel. <laughs> Jordan Peele, I feel. Anyways, his debut was a just great, phenomenal success. I don't think there's been a better director debut than Jordan Peele's. I think in terms of... Nope. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you can have your opinion. No, I mean, I think in terms of like socially relevant, impactful movie, I don't think my film knowledge, I have to admit, is actually good enough to say if Jordan Peele's is the best. But of this current, I would say like graduating class maybe, which would include Bo Burnham and Greta Gerwig and Jordan Peele, I think Jordan Peele, I agree, stretched the farthest. For sure. And he did an amazing, amazing job. I think Greta Gerwig did an amazing job telling her coming-of-age story, and I think Bo Burnham did an amazing job telling his Mm coming-of-age story. (laughs) And Jordan Peele did a great job telling his coming-of-age story. (laughs) Get out. A coming-of-age story. (laughs) Yeah. That's what that was about, right? Yeah. That was about puberty. (laughs) He just wanted to find a girlfriend. That's it. (laughs) Who wasn't going to steal his mind and soul. Okay. Um, (laughs) For Bo Burnham, for this story specifically, I thought it it was a really great job. The story totally made sense. It had a great rhythm. It had great stylistic points to it. Yeah. I tend to get kind of bummed out when like a movie ends on a sad note because I'm like, well, where's the hope in that? I need a little bit of hope somewhere Mm -hmm. it was kind of that lesson of you know you are your own hero and the hope was that she made it a positive Mm -hmm. there's not always a happy ending but you are in charge or you can be in charge it reminds me of this one saying where it's like birds are not afraid that the branch will break or something like that where it's this idea that they know they can fly so they're not like, oh, I don't know if that branch is... Whatever. You get it. I think I get what you're trying to say. Like, you don't have to worry about these external things because you know that you have the power to overcome that thing. Yes. I told you I'm on a spiritual journey, right? We're all there. I'm on a spiritual journey. I feel like for the first time, I'm like trying to be in charge of that, not just mm-hmm. passively going through life. But that's one of the lessons. You have to accept the things that are happening, good or bad. But just because something's bad 
doesn't mean that you have to wallow in it or be like, what can I do to fix this? How can I fix this? Take care of the situation and don't let it be bad just because it's bad. Still work towards making things better, but don't let the fact that something is bad keep you in that dark space. Boom, there it is, period. That's the end of the sentence and the thought. Riffing off of that, I feel like it's not only taking care of what you can, but also understanding that you have the option of changing your perspective about the situation that you see as negative to Correct. you. So like if you take its power away, if you change your perspective on what it is or where it's coming from, then you are giving yourself the power to move around it or dismiss it or accept it ultimately. Yes, because the end of the movie was positive. It ended on a positive note, but the same thing could have happened and it could have ended on a negative note, you know? Like she could have told off the mean girl right. and been like, that went horribly. I didn't make eye contact. She didn't acknowledge me, but she felt so mm-hmm. good because it was totally about like internally what she was going through. And she's like, well, I had to say that. It's off my chest. I feel good about it now. That doesn't mean that she's not mean still, but I did my yeah. part. Next. Also, he faked me out a little bit, he being Bo Burnham, because at the end, that moment when Aiden walks by her when they're all in their cap and gowns and she follows him, I'm like, what is she about to do? And then she stops in front of Kennedy Mm. and tells her off. And I was just like, oh, damn, like that's that's growth, right? I thought she was going to chase Aiden in that moment. Yeah, gross. What did you think about the very, very ending, though? when it's just her backpack and we see her initials but I don't know where she's going she's probably going to her first day of school yeah okay yeah because she had she just recorded herself for her time capsule that she would open at the end of her high school career so that was probably her on her first day of school maybe so then maybe one one critique I would give the film is I would have hoped that they would have shown the high school in the distance or something okay so we know where they're yeah because it looked like she was just walking in the neighborhood and i was confused because i didn't find any indication she should have turned around break the fourth wall and go well on my way to my first day of high school <laughs> and we're out and then the screen should have closed in a looney tune way where it like goes yeah that's all, folks. The end. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, uh, overall, good stuff. Good movie. Super enjoyable. What would you give this one? Ooh, we could do like a thumbs up or a thumbs down, like a YouTube video. I was going to say, yeah, likes. I give it a like and subscribe. Yeah. That's all you can do. That's the best that you can do when you see a video that you like on YouTube. Yeah, I agree. I would give it a like and a subscribe and I would forward it to someone. There you go. Yeah, like, subscribe, and uh, share this video. Nice. Okay, great. So it was very successful for both of us then. Shit, I'll throw a comment on there too. Oh, damn. I would comment too. I'd say good job. That's a wrap on our show for today. So if you like this video, make sure to hit the like button, subscribe, comment down below. What were your thoughts on this movie? Check us out on Twitter, at Live Film Society. Or on Instagram, we live in a film society. Join the conversation. Thanks, everyone. Hannah, it was great talking to you. As usual. Always a pleasure. Love ya. Love you. Bye. Bye.